I have a weird bear story. I don't know. That's like the only thing I can. Oh. I have an odd bear story. It's really weird. I like bears. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll, like I'll give my bear story a ride. <laughs> Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, here with Rochelle Smith, the producer of this podcast, and Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial fiduciary, a certified financial planner, and a retirement income certified professional. You're probably seeing it. The stock market is swinging. Inflation is soaring, and the interest rates are on the rise. You might be wondering, can I still retire, or can I stay retired Here's the good news. You don't have to sit back and be a victim to all the things you're seeing around you, Lauren. There are things you can do to take control of your retirement. There is, which is contrary to what we hear oftentimes, because when we go through these downtimes in the market, one of the prevailing thoughts is just hang tight, sit there, wait, everything's going to work out, and eventually you're going to get your money back, which by the way is true. It, it is true. Every single time the market has been down, every single time the market has come back up, and as long as you don't make poor investment decisions during the time when the market's down, eventually you will get your money back. However, there are also some things that you can do to enhance your experience over the course when the market's down and, and also put yourself in a better position eventually once the market does recover. Yeah, and I feel like not making poor financial decisions is kind of easy for you to say because this is the world that you live and breathe and study and help people with every single day. But for those of us who don't live and breathe it, it's like, well, what does he mean by that? So that's what we want to dive into today. The things you shouldn't do, the things you should do when you watch kind of this economic storm around you. So the bear word has been thrown out. And Lauren, I've been working with you for, let's go six years here. Um, I've con constantly criticized the silly and stupid terms that you use in this industry. <laughs> I've never liked it. Bears, bulls, satisfying RMDs. Uh, oh, oh I, I make fun of him all the time for the terms that he uses. But let's be honest, every industry has its own kind of language. I don't have to like it, but I actually probably now have started using some of it, which scares me too. So bear, we hear this bear conversation and it's not the kind of bear that Rochelle might encounter on her trip up north to a cabin. She was just telling us that she's thinking about getting some bear spray. I did not even know there was such a thing, Rochelle. Oh, I found it out from someone else. So I didn't know that either. So we just had this conversation with our children. We were heading way up north to Minnesota. And Cole, <laughs> who is a bit of a worrier <laughs> by nature, was like, okay, kids, now there have been some bear sightings where we're going to stay. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay, some bear sightings. He's like, so here's what you do. And so without referencing our phones, we told our kids what our brains remembered was what you're supposed to do when you see a bear. Do you guys kind of remember this from maybe a story you read or, or a thing you think to be true? Yeah, they say play dead. Play dead. Yes, but what we both thought was that you were supposed to like look big and remind the bear that you're not a bear. So what we both were thinking was talk to the bear, <laughs> tell the bear that you're a human so the bear doesn't think you're a bear. <laughs> and I think that is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed oh. to like not move, but like wave your hands and then make sure again i'm going to introduce myself to the bear essentially and then the bear realizes you're not a threat and then it can run away so did you guys practice your bear speak no on how you talk to the bear certain <laughs> bear words that may work better may not work better 
I think we had the kids all just like jumbled up because then at one point, like when Cole used to go to this spot, they used to just take a shotgun if they would go into certain areas. And I was like, are you going to shoot a bear in front of the kids, Cole? I don't know. Maybe if it's attacking you, you know, then you're like going through all the scenarios. Well, I'm happy to report we saw no bears. We caught a lot of fish and we did not have to talk to any bears, use any whistling techniques or any bear spray. Okay. That's a great trip. That's a great trip. You know, almost every year we go up to northern Minnesota as well. Uh, and I hear the same story. So we had the same, well, not the same conversation. We don't talk about talking to bears and bear <laughs> language and that kind of stuff. But we do talk about bears and seeing bears and hoping to see a bear because that, you know, I just think that'd be pretty cool. I agree. Over all the years. From a long ways away. Over all the years. Way up in northern Minnesota, about an hour from the Canadian border. Never seen a bear. However, my brother has seen a bear crossing the road. Okay, so and? So they do exist. It's, it's, Just saw from afar, got to observe it, it in nature. Uh, if crossing a road, I guess, yeah, that is nature these days. Yeah, so, so it was a safe bear encounter, I guess that's what I was getting at. It's kind of a majestic bear encounter for him. Yeah, it was It was not hiking in the woods, happening across a bear. It was not uh, at the lake fishing and trying to fight a bear for your fish. It was none of that kind of stuff. <laughs> it was a very <laughs> safe. Good story. Very safe encounter. Okay, so bears, something a lot of people do find, you know, from a distance, beautiful. But bears, when we're talking about the stock market, Lauren, that's not the kind of bear we want to see. It's not the kind of bear that we want to see, but inevitably we do see it. On average, we run across the bear market every two to three years. So over the history of the stock market, we've seen many, many, many of them. Over the course of your retirement, we are going to see many more bear markets. And one of the points uh, that I try to communicate all the time is we do not have to be a victim of the bear market. We know it's going to happen. It's always happened, always will happen. And now it's a matter of how do you protect yourself against the bear market when it does come. And for those of you who are who are within a couple years of retiring or already retired, the stakes are much higher for you. Because now it's not a matter of just sitting back and waiting until this bear goes away. You have to make sure that you can receive income within a couple years from your investment portfolio that is going through a bear market, or you have to make sure that you can continue to receive income if you're already retired. You want to maintain your lifestyle. Uh, you still want to be able to go on the trips, maybe see a real bear. <laughs> you want to chase your grandkids around. There's all these things that you want to do that d does require income. And if your portfolio is down 30%, in the bear market and you have to take out three thousand dollars a month for that lifestyle that just uh, exasperates the decrease of your portfolio which can be really dangerous which does increase the emotionality of your investment experience and oftentimes this is why we do see poor investment decisions during these during these downtimes but lauren it's not just the bear it's inflation and interest rates i was just telling you guys about i placed my high v order online the bread that I normally buy, $4.69 for a loaf of this bread. Now, it's an upper-end bread. I could probably should just give them the cheap stuff, but <laughs> it, my kids really like it. It's the best for grilled cheese, and it's $4.69 a loaf. I think just a year ago, it was hovering around $3.69, and, and, and this is happening with gas and, and at the grocery store and housing and everything. It's happening with everything, uh, and maybe it went from three seventy to what'd you say for four sixty nine. Four sixty nine. So a dollar dollar per loaf. How long does that loaf last you, by the way? Oh like well, not very. Days? Yeah, like <laughs> if forty eight hours at 48 best. Hours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, gas prices. Every time you go to the 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 gas pump, the you know I remember it wasn't that long ago I was paying two fifty, two sixty, and now what I buy I buy premium, uh, and it's over five dollars a gallon. Yeah. So. That's a 100% increase in my book. 
and people are feeling that you have to get gas. You know, I probably fill up once a week. Uh, some people have to fill up less or more, but it, regardless, it costs a lot just to do the normal stuff that we were doing 12 months ago that cost us significantly less. And we've got some working years ahead of us, but let's say you're listening and you're 62, you're 61, you're 63. Yes, you are concerned about inflation and, and the stock market, but that doesn't mean you're less concerned about retiring. You're still feeling maybe like you're at the end of your career or you have things you want to do outside of work. So what a conflict, Lauren, to be in a, a mode in your brain where you're ready to retire, but then you're seeing this economic kind of storm swirling around you. Yeah, retiring is, is is an anxious time. It's an anxious time for a lot of different reasons, and it's a little bit different experience for everybody. But the commonalities that I hear are you have worked for 40 years. In many ways, your work has become your purpose. It has uh, put a def definition around you that's different than your personal life. And you're entering the t a time frame where that is going to just go away. It's going to be something that was yesterday or last year or five years ago, and it's be going to become less you. You have to redefine your new purpose. You have to redefine your day-to-day -day activities. So there's all this natural anxiety of just changing your complete lifestyle, uh, but then you throw a potential recession into it. You throw a bear market into it every time you log on to your 401k and your IRA. Uh, you have a little bit less than what you had the day before, or in some days, a lot less than what you had the day before. And the worst part about every single time we go through these bear markets, the worst part is how bad is it going to get? So there's all this uncertainty of what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen six months from now, how far is my account value going to go down? And so you, you couple all of that together and it seems like a really dire situation that is fueled oftentimes by uh, people talking about how bad it could get. When you turn on the news, they're talking about doomsday. When you, when you uh, read articles online, many of them are talking about doomsday type scenarios, and that just fuels the fire of anxiety of the unknown. Okay, so part of relieving anxiety is taking control, whether it's talking to a bear or <laughs> taking some action steps within your own portfolio. Good, good analogy. Maybe not. I just meant take control of the bear situation. You know, you're anxious about the bears. Okay. Anyways, things you can do inside your 401k. If you're working right now, take a look at your 401k, Lauren. You've, you've got some tips, some things people can do right now. Yeah. If you're working right now, there are some action steps that you can take to, to put yourself in a better position eventually when this thing does turn around. Uh, one of them is well, let's set this up, I guess, a little bit. A many portfolios for pre-retirees is going to be, is going to resemble something like a 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio. Now, you might be the exact opposite. You might be 40% stock, 60% bond portfolio, but a lot of pre-retirees are somewhere within that type of uh, allocation. One of the things we know right now is stocks are not doing well, but bonds are also not doing well. In fact, if you look across the major bond indices, they are down anywhere between 10, hold on, to 24%. Yikes. That is year to date. And we're talking about bonds. Is uh, that unprecedented for bonds? Because I think of them as more stable. It is not unprecedented, but it's not common. And, and this is an environment in my lifetime, my investment lifetime, we have not seen. So this is brand new for most people. Um, and... Bonds are very tricky. In a lot of ways, bonds are a lot harder to invest in uh, 
than stocks. It's a lot harder for people to understand the nuances of how bonds work. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But traditionally, at least if we go back to the 90s, you could invest in a 60-40 or 40-60 portfolio. And we go through a really bad time, kind of like the uh, early or mid-90s, and the bond bonds would hold up. The correlation between stocks and bonds was different, meaning that stocks would go up, bonds might stay even or grow up a little bit, stocks go down, bonds might go down a little bit, but that's no longer the case, is certainly in this type of environment. So the, the NASDAQ's down over 30%, the S&P 500 is down over 23%, and depending upon the bond index that you're in, you're, you, that part of your portfolio could be down 10 to 24 percent. I mean, I can do that math, Lauren. If your bonds are down 20 percent and your stocks are down 20 percent and those are the only two things you have in your portfolio, it's not good is right. It's not good. And bonds will probably continue to struggle for the next 12 to 24 months. Interest rates will continue to increase. Bond prices will continue to decrease. So back to the action item. You have 40 percent, 50 percent, 60 percent of your 401k portfolio in bonds. Most 401k plans now have a have a stable value fund <clears throat> or something that resembles a stable value fund. One idea is you can move all or a portion of your bond portfolio, not your stocks, your bond portfolio to the stable value. The idea behind this is we think we have a high level of confidence that bonds are going to continue to lose for at least the next 12 months. So why not take that portion of your portfolio, move it to a stable value where you're not going to lose most likely over the next 12 months. And in fact, you might actually get somewhere around a 2 to 3% return on that portion of your money. So you're taking an asset class that's depreciating, probably will depreciate for the next 12, 12 months at least, and you're moving it to something where we can get at least a 2 to 3% return and it's not going the other way. So what is a stable value fund? Is this a mixture of different things? It's a fund that's offered underneath many 401k plans, not offered on outside of the 401k plans, but it's kind of like a money market equivalent. But because they invest in short-term government bonds, uh, high-quality corporate bonds, and then there's some insurance contracts associated with that, uh, it's supposed to have a stable asset value, meaning that the, the it's not supposed to go backwards. And you can get a little bit higher yield than what you can get underneath a traditional money market fund. So right now, those are paying somewhere at around 2 As interest rates continue to go up, that yield's going to go up as well. So if you're getting about 2% now, by the time we get to the end of the year, that stable value might produce somewhere around a 3% return. A lot better than the 20% loss you might be seeing with the bonds. A lot better than the 20% loss. Now, as we're talking about some of these strategies, I think it's important to understand not all of these strategies will work for you and before you introduce any of these types of strategies into your retirement plan you need to create a retirement plan to make sure that these strategies will be a good idea for you Uh, your plan should be custom it should be custom to what you're trying to accomplish and therefore the strategy should be custom to you as well so i i would contend don't just run out there and start doing these uh, changes to your portfolio make sure you talk to somebody make sure you have a customized retirement plan in place before you implement any of these strategies and you talked a little bit about bonds we really dove into bonds and answered the question should i invest in bonds or help people try to answer that question in a previous podcast so go into the podcast library scroll up just a little bit and you'll see a podcast there that says something like should i invest in bonds 
So Lauren talked about it. Before you make any retirement moves, it's a good idea to talk to a professional. So you might be wondering, how's your retirement plan doing? What, what should you do with your 401k? Here's a great opportunity. It's a complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call. You can schedule one right now by going to MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. You can schedule your complimentary 15-minute retirement checkup call today. Another great strategy for those who are still working uh, is centered around their new contributions to the 401k. Yeah, the new new contributions, I think this is a, a great opportunity to take advantage of this volatile market. When you're working, you have the ability to continue to put money underneath the uh, 401k plan, which what you're doing is your dollar cost averaging, which means you're systematically putting money into the stock market, regardless of where the stock market is at, whether it's up or it's down. That is a really powerful strategy to build wealth over time. And it's even a more powerful strategy to build wealth over time when the market is precipitously dropping, which is exactly what we're seeing right now. So again, going back to your existing portfolio, you might have a 60-40 type allocation, which means your your money might be going into the 401k plan 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Again, we feel like there's a high high probability of bonds continuing to lose over the next next 12 months. So why continue to put money into that depreciating asset when you can put all of your contributions to the stock side, the equity side? Now, this will increase the risk on your contributions because you're eliminating the bonds, you're having everything go to equities. However, this can be acceptable for many people because the maximum amount that you can contribute over a 12-month period of time to your 401k plan is 27000 So when we look at your entire portfolio, that probably represents a small portion of your overall retirement portfolio. So yes, you're increasing the risk on your new contributions, but it's on a small piece and you're taking advantage of the discount that exists within the stock market today. Uh, so that is a strategy that can work for, for some people. You do need to understand it will elevate the risk a little. But again, that's the necessity for a retirement plan that's customized to you to make sure that it's not increasing the risk on uh, on your portfolio that's too much and put you in a position that could be a little bit more precarious long term. But the idea is take advantage of the discount. The stocks are down. Let's buy more shares of those stocks. And then eventually when the market comes back up, you're going to own more shares and you're going to be really happy about the increased valuation of those shares. And I have to imagine, Lauren, that some of this definitely depends on when you plan to retire. You know, you probably don't necessarily want to employ this strategy if you're retiring here in the next year or so. No, I, I would say for many people, it would still be a very attractive strategy. And and again, it's because of the amount that you're you're doing this with. If you have a million-dollar portfolio and you're, you're deciding over the last 12 months of your pre-retirement phase that you're going to put $27,000 into uh, a discounted stock portfolio, I think that that's a good move because, again, it's a very small portion of your portfolio. Let's say, worse, let's say that this market continues to plummet over the next 24 months. You want to retire in 12 months. The market is going to be down for the next 24 months. It's okay because it's still 27000 or a very small portion of your overall portfolio and you don't need to use that money right away when you retire if you have an income plan if you have an income plan that works with this type of investment strategy it is going to work fabulously and eventually you're going to be really happy about that type of decision and i think that's the part i wasn't thinking of that you would keep this money invested in some way shape or form when you retire if this doesn't automatically become the part of the income piece you probably use something else for income yeah that's one of the the most mis 
understood parts of an income plan is you have a million dollar portfolio. You're not going to use all of that million dollars in that first year of retirement. In fact, you're not going to use all that million dollars in the first 10 years of your retirement. And that's where the segmentation of your reti uh, retirement portfolio is really necessary, where you have a portion of that portfolio you're going to use to derive income. You're going to use that portion of your portfolio to derive to derive your lifestyle income in the first two to three years of your retirement. That piece of your portfolio is not going to be invested in stocks, should not be invested in stocks. But we, we find that mistake happening all the time, even, even at the professional level. I just had a conversation yesterday with an individual. She said uh, she's retired. She takes out $3,500 a month from her portfolio. And she said her advisor doesn't ever have more than $10,000 of cash. So if you do the quick math, she's going to burn through that $10,000 of cash within three months just on her lifestyle income, which means after that, she has to start selling positions in a discounted market just to produce the lifestyle. That is not a good income plan. So your income plan needs to have 12 to 24, or in this type of market, maybe even 36 months of of assets that are not invested in a depreciating asset so you can live your lifestyle and you don't have to sell when the, the markets are down 20, 30, 40%. Yeah. She wants to stay in there until this thing comes back up. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that's why we talk about re the difference between retirement planning and accumulation planning. Accumulation planning, it doesn't matter because you're not planning on retiring for the next 10, 15, 20 years. So you can have all of your assets in a potentially depreciating asset like stocks or bonds. When you're doing retirement planning and you need to live off of this money, you have to be much more intentional about where this money is going to be invested and the purpose behind each piece of your investment portfolio to make sure that your lifestyle isn't going to disrupt your investment plan and to make sure that the stock market, which nobody can control, and the bond market, nobody can control the bond market or stock market, isn't going to disrupt your lifestyle. Yeah, and I feel like had this individual talked to a retirement planner three or five years ago, they probably would have had this money, again, in a more stable fund. But now if all the money's in equities, she's kind of in a really tough position because she's going to still, she still needs the money to live off of. Yeah. That's the sad thing is that she said her portfolio is down about 23%. She only has 10,000 in cash. She's living on 3,500 a month. It's not a good situation, but unfortunately this is what a lot of people find themselves in, whether they're working with an advisor who is not a retirement planner, just an accumulation specialist, or they're doing it themselves. These are the things that you have to think through well in advance, thinking through it right now when the market's down, 20 to 30% doesn't do her a whole lot of good. This is stuff she needed to be thinking about a year ago, two years ago, or ideally a couple years prior to her retiring. Yeah, and we got spoiled, Lauren. I think the market was on an unprecedented run for, what, 10, 11 plus years. And I think that people kind of forgot that these recessions do hit. Yeah, uh, we did get spoiled because we had an unprecedented run from 2009 all the way up to 2020. And every time we go through a run like that, even if it's only a five-year run, people forget. We have very short-term memories. We, we do. We, and 2008 was painful. I mean, it was painful for pre-retirees, for retirees, even for people who are 20, 30, 40 years old. It was painful. But yet somehow we forget the lessons that we should have learned during that time frame. So let's talk more about retirees. I think this is the group who sees uh, this kind of economic storm swirling around us, and they may have feel the most helpless because, again, 
while we have some time as those who have some working years ahead of us to sort of ride out the storm, they probably feel like, hey, I need the money now. But there are still some things that you can do if you're retired. Yeah, there are some things that you can do if you're retired. Uh, and a large part of our client base is retired. Uh, and so these are things that we're talking with them right about right now. Now, this first idea is not for everybody, just like all of these ideas. But this one is for a very small subset of people because this one does include increasing your risk. So in order for this type of strategy to work for you, you have to be in the position where you don't need to touch this piece of your money for at least five years down the road. So if this is money that you think you might need to use for income or buying a house or a large purchase, then this is a strategy that you should just eliminate from your option portfolio right away. And I didn't mean stock options. I meant you meant like you this won't work for this you is basically. Not, yeah, yeah. This is this is not gonna work well for you. And that is, let's say again, let's just go back to uh, an average portfolio, sixty percent stocks, forty percent bonds. Yours might be a little bit different, but directionally, again, an asset class like bonds we think is gonna lose over the next twelve to twenty four months. If you have forty percent in bonds right now, with stocks at such a discount, one consideration would be to take a piece of that bond portfolio and shift it over to stocks. And the whole idea, the whole philosophy around this is your bond, the bond part of your portfolio accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish, which means the reason you had bonds in there was to insulate yourself from the downside risk of equities. Well, it did, not as, not as much as what it traditionally would do, but it still did. Bonds are not down. Your bond portfolio is not down as much as your stock portfolio. So it insulated you from some of the downside risk of equities. It did its job, but we think it's not going to do very well for the next next couple of years. So take a piece of that bond portfolio, put it into stocks, and be very intentional on which stocks you're putting it into, which markets, what sector you're putting it into. So instead of maybe a 20% discount on this money, maybe you're picking stocks that have a 30 or a 40% discount that are still... Uh, a good stock is just getting beat up with everything else that's going on. Uh, you have to be very surgical when you're implementing this type of strategy. So you want to make sure that you understand exactly what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what your exit strategy from this type of move is. So this is not something you go into without an exit plan. Got to have an exit plan. You got to know the why and you have to, this is money that you cannot need within the next five years. So is this just a traditional IRA we're talking about? Or if you have a Roth IRA, is this a good option too? Well, it could be both uh, you, because you could have a traditional IRA, which is a pre-tax IRA. You never pay taxes on that money. And you could have a Roth IRA. And if that's you, then you want to be even more deliberate on the moves that you make with your bonds to stocks. And the reason why is because with your Roth IRA, your Roth IRA is your most coveted retirement assets, asset because all that all the growth that you get in the Roth is tax-free. You'll never have to pay taxes on that Roth. For most people, that Roth IRA money is money that you're going to use later on in retirement because you want to take advantage of the tax-free compounding. So in that case, you might want to take more of your investment risk underneath the Roth, the longer time horizon, the growth on it's tax-free. So as you're eliminating bonds, if you have bonds in your for if you have bonds in your Roth IRA, that would be the place to start. 
And then depending upon the the new allocation that you're looking to go to, if you were a 40% bond, 60% stock, and you're trying to go down to a 20% bond, 80% stock, then uh, you would tackle that Roth IRA first and then trickle down to your pre-tax IRA. So that's, that's all stuff that you have to consider in the redesign of your portfolio when you're looking to not only initially design your retirement investment portfolio, but also make tactical moves like the one we're talking about right now. And if you're retired, another option to consider, Lauren, a fixed indexed annuity. When we talk about redesigning portfolios, what we talk about is let's let's look at getting away from just the traditional stock bond portfolio. And you've probably read articles, you've probably seen some stuff out there about how the 60-40 portfolio is dead. Uh, meaning that the 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio really is an archaic type of portfolio design because there's so many more investment options that you have available to you right now than what you did. In in the 90s, the 60-40 worked just fine. But all we have to do is go back to the Great Recession of 2008 to see that the 60-40 portfolio is no longer what it used to be. The average 60-40 portfolio lost about 26% in 2008. Pre-retirees don't want to be down 26%. Retirees who are dependent upon income from their investment portfolio don't want to be down 26%, especially when their lifestyle is dependent upon that portfolio, not only at a point in time, but also for the next 20 to 30 years. So now with new investment options or newer investment options, and advancements in the investment industry, we don't have to just be invested in stocks and bonds. So the fixed index annuity is one of those investments I would classify as an alternative. There's a lot of different types of alternative investments. The fixed index annuity is one that pre-retirees and retirees should consider. Now, the fixed index annuity, as you heard, comes with that bad name, the annuity, right? Some, sometimes you will hear the word annuity and be like, no, 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 I don't want to hear any more because it has the word annuity in it. Not all annuities are the same, just like not all stocks are the same. If you look at the thousands of stocks that are out there in your retirement portfolio, you want very few of those stocks. You want the right stocks. You want the right bonds. You don't want all of them. Same thing with annuities. Most annuities you would not want to touch as a part of your retirement portfolio. The right annuity, the right situation, the right person, it can make sense. Conceptually, the way the fixed index annuity works is, one, the fixed stands for guaranteed, meaning that your principal is guaranteed, you cannot lose money. It's backed by the full faith and credit of the insurance company. Index means the performance of that annuity is tied to a certain underlying index. And one of the most common indexes that are used is the S&P 500. So the way it works, if if the S&P 500, if you're invested in that index and the S&P 500 goes up, you get a portion of the up. If it goes down, you get a 0% rate of return. You're happy because you didn't lose anything. If you were just invested in the regular S&P 500 index, if it goes down by 20%, you lost 20%. If it goes up by 20%, you gain 20%. The annuity guarantees against the loss on the downside, and you get a portion of it of the return on the upside. And then the annuity just is the tax-deferred shelter. Uh, most fixed-index annuities we see underneath the IRA. So the tax-deferred shelter isn't all that important because you already get the tax-deferred shelter of the IRA. But what the FIA, we'll call it FIA because it's easier to say, the FIA, what, what it does is it gives you an alternative to using bonds. So we will use the FIA as a bond alternative for some people when it makes sense. So instead of having 40% of your assets in a depreciating asset like bonds, 
You can have it in an FIA where you're guaranteed against loss. And when the market does good, you get a reasonable return. So from an upside, you're hoping to beat other guaranteed alternatives. And the most common guaranteed alternatives are the bank. So what have the banks been paying us on CDs and savings accounts over the last Not much. 12, 18 months? Almost nothing. And then you throw inflation into consideration. That's running up over 8%. If you are in a bank account, a CD, let's say you're getting 1%, but inflation is at 8%, you're safely losing money because you're losing purchasing power on that asset. So the whole idea of the, the FIA is let's let's protect against the downside. Let's get more of the upside than what we would underneath traditional guaranteed accounts. And then here's here's the other strategy is when markets do go down, we didn't lose anything on that money. Most of these, the way they're constructed is you can take 10% out per year for the first 10 years. After 10 years, you can do anything you want with the money, but for ten, you can take 10% out for the first 10 years, each year for the first 10 years, and you can do anything you want with it. So if you're retired and your investment portfolio is down that you've been, so the, the lady on the phone I was talking to, her portfolio is down, but if she had some of her money in the FIA, she could take that out and use it as income. Because it didn't go down, and she's not hurting the longevity of her portfolio. Or what we do a lot of times is we take that 10% out, and we put it back into the stock market. Because the market's down 20 to 30%, we didn't lose any money on this asset. We take it out, we put it in, and we strategically buy low on certain areas of the market. So it's one way that retirees can dollar cost average back into the market, where kind of like they could have when they're working, except for it's a little bit differently. When you're working, you're putting money in out of every paycheck. When you're, you're retired, you don't have a paycheck, so you don't have money going in. This is a way we can intentionally take uh, take money that didn't lose and get it back into the market and buy at a discount. Do you have to meet any certain criteria for an FIA? Is it is it like health? In, is it like life insurance where there's underwriting, any underwriting or anything no, like that? No, there's no underwriting. Uh, d- doesn't depend on your health whatsoever. There's a ton of different FIAs. Some are designed for income. Some are designed for accumulation. So the nuances are there are nuances depending upon the type of FIA you go into. The one I'm talking about. It's very clean. It's very easy. There's a 10-year surrender charge window, which means you can take 10% out per year, which is also why you do not want to have all of your money underneath something like that because you want to make sure that you have enough liquidity. But if you put together your income plan and your investment plan, then you make sure as a part of your portfolio construction, you have plenty of liquidity over the next 10 years, you have plenty of safety, you have plenty of growth mechanisms built in, and then you can accomplish all of it. There's not one investment vehicle out there that can accomplish all of your investment objectives. This is where you have to be diversified. The 60-40 portfolio, just a stock and bond portfolio, doesn't meet all of your criteria when you're retiring. So the FIA or something like it can be an addition to your portfolio to help you meet more of your retirement objectives. You know what I really want you to answer, Lauren? When's the stock market going to bottom out? Because that's when I'm going to buy the most. And then tell me when it's going to come back because that's what I'm going to sell. This is, this is the trap that we run into all the time. And there's been study after study after study that's been conducted. What I tell people is if we hit the bottom, so on that FIA, take 10% out, put it back to the market. If we hit the bottom, it's just sheer luck. And we'll take it. 
But we're not looking to hit the bottom. We're looking to get directionally correct because nobody knows when the bottom is. Again, that's one of the, the worst parts about these recessions and bear markets. Nobody knows how bad it's going to get. So if we get directionally correct, and if we get a 30% discount, which means that if the market's down by 30, you have an asset over here in the FIA or something like it that didn't lose anything, that is a great deal. You take that money out, you put it in the market, and if the market continues to go down, so what? So what? If it goes down to 40, well, you lost 10% on that piece, but you're going to get it all back eventually when the market does come roaring back when we come out of the recession. When the bear goes back to sleep. <laughs> you won't need your bear spray okay. then. That's good, Rochelle. And I won't need to communicate with the bears. Bear whispering. <laughs> It'll go back to sleep. So you might be wondering, are any of these strategies that Lauren talked about right for me? Here's a great way to get started talking about it. It's a 15-minute complimentary retirement checkup call. You can schedule yours at MerkleRetire.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E, Retire.com. We'll keep talking about all of the aspects of retirement on this podcast. It's Retiring Today, and we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. Insurance, LLC.